and welcome to another episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast from Strong Towns. I'm your host, Rachel. Today's guest is Mayor Chris Fry, who's been leading the city of Newcastle, Pennsylvania since January of 2020. Before running for mayor, his background wasn't in politics, but in social work and community service. He is a husband and father of three, and he is utterly dedicated to helping his city grow stronger. He's also Newcastle's first black mayor and a Republican. Newcastle, as you will learn from Mayor Fry, is a city that's going through the same challenges of economic downturn, disinvestment, and neglect that a lot of cities in the Rust Belt and the Midwest have encountered during the last several decades, and really all across the country. But like our guest last week, Diamond Hargis, Mayor Fry is focused on seeing the assets and gifts in his city, not just looking at the problems. He knows that the work of revitalization is not merely about fixing up old buildings or bringing jobs back, but it's also about changing negative perceptions. He wants residents and outsiders to see Newcastle not as a place of blight or poverty or crime, but as a beautiful city that can be and is thriving. At the end of our conversation, Mayor Fry also shares advice for other leaders whose cities might be in a similar economic situation. Stay hopeful and don't become complacent is his advice, among other things. So here's my conversation with Mayor Chris Fry. So Mayor Chris Fry, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. It's so good to speak with you. Great to be here. And I really appreciate Strong Towns reaching out and affording me this opportunity. So can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and kind of your journey to to where you are today as a mayor? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Chris Fry, Mayor City in Newcastle currently. In 2019, I was not the mayor. I was uh, working in local nonprofit, working with juveniles on probation and overseeing and managing workforce development programs in my community. Graduated University of Pittsburgh in around 2012 with a master's degree in social work and community organizing and social administration. To me, I just say I wanted to make an impact on the the folks that were in my community or, you know, even broader around the world. So uh, I chose my degree based on making an impact and uh, started out working in nonprofit management, overseeing neighborhood development, and just continued on from there. Uh, with a with a heart for just changing lives at whatever level I was able to do, um, you know. From there, uh, I also received my undergrad from Gandhi University, where I had a lot of work. Same same ordeal on the on the ground in the trenches, grassroots organizations in Erie, Pennsylvania, and um, just did that for about eight years and was in, involved in conversations about community development um, and. We, as a team, I'd say, um, as stakeholders in our community, had always identified the relationship between the city officials and the community as probably one of the most challenging relationships and uh, challenging, um, difficult problems in our community. And and being a small town of about 20,000 people, and been on a, a trajectory of a downward spiral since the, the industrial times of, of Pennsylvania and in the Rust Belt communities. We just, we felt that there just needed to be something different. And so that didn't happen right away. 
took a little bit of time. You know, I was I was the guy in the room raising my hand. Hey, so who's going to run? You know, this was roughly eight years ago and just continued on with life, continued on with life, married three kids, um, raising a family, you know, just enjoying life as much, you know, with with my family. And there was a I, I woke up one day and, you know, I'm a Christian man, believe in God and was doing some prayer. And, you know, I just felt as though, you know, God spoke to me and said, you know, now's the time. You know, I, I was thinking I'm 32 now. I was thinking, you know, get involved in politics and, and large change making platforms later in life, you know, 50, 60 retirement age, you know, um, because of my kids. And, and but at 30, 31, it, I just felt as though. You know, it was time and our community really needed it. And it, and it, everything kind of lined up. I woke up and <laughs> I told my wife, she said, you know, I think I'm going to run. Now's the time. And, you know, the great wife that she is asked me all the questions. You know, how are you going to pay for it? How are you going to find time? How are you mm-hmm. going to balance it with life? And, you know, all faith was, we'll figure it out. And that's exactly how it went. Complete grassroots. Started out with $250 and wow. with the plan of knocking on every door that we could possibly get, going old school, knocking on doors, engaging the people. And um, but not for political campaign reasons, to truly engage and to stay involved with the folks well into um, my my term now that I've won. And that was the that was and we came out victorious. You know, we came out as winners. <laughs> When it's 60, uh, 56% of the vote um, back in November, 2019. Wow. That is quite a, quite a story. I want to go back a little bit to the fact that you, you know, worked in community work and you are trained as a social worker. I don't know, but I'm guessing that that's not super common for mayors. How does that background experience inform your work now as a leader, um, as the mayor? Oh, it greatly informs my work, and, and it, honestly, social work greatly informs just my life in general. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, growing up to with a single mom, three sisters, so four of us. She climbed out of poverty. You know, from very early in her life, made some rough decisions in education that impacted her a great deal. Only having a GED. Uh, later on, going back to college and, and being uh, magna cum laude from Slippy Rock and social work. So she's a very smart and brilliant lady. But social work is kind of us. You know, we we understand it. It's almost like the kid that grew up in a house with a business owner and, and was living that, lived that life. I have some friends and that I know that grew up their whole life in real estate. So now they naturally do real estate. We understood the environment, you know, being grassroots even growing up impoverished, we you know still were able to go out and, and and serve at soup kitchens and be highly active in our churches and be highly active in in just things that we actually needed help with, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was just a, a way of life for us. And uh, you know, transitioning into marriage, it's not common that from what I've seen and a lot of folks that I speak to, you know, uh, uh, public policy, uh, business, finance. Uh, along those lines or tip law or typically, you know, political officials from what I see. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of the oxymoron in this whole, you know, run. I was 
first African-American male. So I was black, Republican and a social worker by uh, profession. It was almost like, is, can this guy do the job? And, you know, there's one thing I, I do know, you know, um, the with social work and the, the principles and, and the guide and the, and the guiding principles of social work, you know, we lead with compassion, mm-hmm. lead with integrity and uh, understanding that the dignity and the worth of a person is, is most important in everything that we do. So we, you know, that's, those were the principles that I, you know, I knew bringing to our city. It was more of a, we had our financial issues, but we have a very strong financial staff uh, here and we're, uh, we have some great consultants that we work with. And I'm, I'm no idiot when it comes to, for lack of a better term, I apologize to finance and understanding uh, corporate finance and, and personal finance at that as well. Mm-hmm. But what and other business and management principles, but I, I like to try to simplify what is going on really to, and then going to the root of the cause. And a lot of it was social perception, Newcastle bad perception as a drug infested, you know, low income, you know, aesthetically unpleasing community uh, and folks who come here actually love it here. I'm not originally from here. I'm originally from Richmond, Virginia. I moved here when I was 10, around 10, 11 years old. And if anybody's from Richmond or knows, you know, from Sterling, Virginia, those communities are bustling booming areas you know you walk out your door one day there's a building you walk out another day there's you know exaggerating a little bit but the development was that quick i've been in newcastle for over 20 years and development hasn't happened quite frankly at all you know from what i've seen but that doesn't make us a bad community it doesn't make us a a, a, a horrible community it, it, newcastle is truly a hometown and you get that feeling and that sense when you're here. Yeah. So as mayor, what are some of the most important issues that you're working on helping Newcastle get better? And how are you approaching those? It was a, a tough time to run. And, and uh, like I said, the, the odds were stacked against us. Newcastle is in an economically distressed status in Pennsylvania, about Pennsylvania, uh, Commonwealth government, um, meaning that we, you know, we were, you know, back in 2007, we entered it. So we weren't paying our, our MMOs and we had a lot of financial situations, our high debt, high pension debt uh, that were stacked against this high bond debt that were stacked against us. And we moved into that. And I'm, I came in at the three-year exit plan. So they only give us a certain time to be able to get out. So we have to make decisions that uh, aren't going to be real popular in, throughout the community, but at the same time, we can uh, galvanize and encourage and inspire folks to, you know, either attract to our community or invest in our community or just invest in your own homes if you're a current resident. Uh, so our biggest challenge is financial. We're projected with, you know, high tax increases over the next, you know, five to six years. Uh, projected to, you know, have a deficit in our finances over the next five to 10 years. So we, we're managing that, um, but we're looking internally at a lot of our policies and procedures or tax structures and, you know, attracting uh, investment into the community, housing, 
business investment in the city. So number one, that's the biggest one because that is the most, <laughs> that's really the job, right? That's the job. Um, yeah. And I would say number two, going back into it is perception. Really, you know, why, why don't we have the level of investment, not just from outside, right? I'm, I'm, we're talking bottom up revolution. So investment from the community, right? Um, those who live here and, and see the potential of here and want to restore our buildings and, and, and be more involved. And, and what has, what has caused the, the large uh, exodus from Newcastle in, in previous years and just re-engaging that, telling our story, you know, going out there and telling our story, look, I'm safe here. <laughs> I've been here 20 years. You know, my friends are safe here. Our church members are safe here. People are safe. Uh, just telling our story more and more and just, you know, highlighting the good that is in Newcastle. And uh, oftentimes that can be real challenging because we are up against a lot of negative you know, a lot of folks have a negative perception of our city um, and be that from, you know, negative encounters or, or just, you know, personal feelings and, you know, you know, just a glass half empty kind of person. You know, it's a lot of work to change that. But I think, again, there's a lot of folks who do love our community. And even folks from out of town, like you guys reached out, you understand how it works. We got folks reaching out from all over the country. Um, and we just want to be open arms and, and let people know, you know, Newcastle is a great place to, to visit if that's all you want to do or, or move to. It's truly a hometown, like I mentioned earlier. Yeah, it sounds like you've really made it home for yourself, too. What steps have you been taking um, as mayor or with your government or other partners to help galvanize that, yeah, bottom-up revolution, that like local investment, um, helping build up the economic resilience of the community from, from within. You know, coming into office, I don't want to say oftentimes, I mean, we definitely see it on a national level where one president will go and another president will come and they'll have their agenda and they'll lay it out the first hundred days. I'm not a politician like that. You know, I'm, I don't know how that works. I looked into it, you know, let me, let's list out our first hundred, you know, things. Let's, let's, what's our platform and move and all that branding. But really what, what we, what I did and what we what we're doing is we're not reinventing the wheel. There's how I, I, I say it all the time. There's community stakeholders, you know, aside from the local government, who have held up the pillars of our community for a long time. Now their knees might be buckling and they might be, they might've started feeling the pain, but they've been committed to holding it up for as long as they have. And these are 20, 30 year stories that I hear. And the approach that I'm taking is just be a support, right? Local government, be the support, you know, financially, uh, be a support vocally, you know, telling the story. And just not going out with any personal agenda of mine, because I don't have one. It's more for the whole community. And, and, and I think that support level really encourages people. And especially if we do it with integrity, um, which is not often seen in government. Um, and doing that and just being visible and not hiding behind anything. Just like I talk about all the time, being in the trenches as much as we can. That's, that's really how, you know, we've done it. Um, and that's how we, you know, I really put a lot of time in and I'm 
lot of faith in terms of that being uh, the solution to our our problem in terms of perception and and also economic sustainability. Yeah, I think that perception issue is something a lot of communities face, especially that, yeah, in that post-industrial period um, after the recession, like there's just like so much, so much loss and struggle, but also so much good and strength and so many gifts that, that our, our neighbors and our communities have that we got to lift up. So I like that message. So I know that you're, you're a Republican mayor, but am I right that you have a majority Democrat city council? Yes, it's five city council and each of them are Democrat, correct. So what's been your approach to working across political differences to get things done in Newcastle? We had, you know, 2020 was a tough time. So we, we were actually had a yeah. last night. It was, uh, let's, yeah, let's try to forget about all that happened last year. And it was, it was challenging. Uh, but the, the word we hear all the time we use is communication, right? We understand that we all, we have different political backgrounds. There's some age differences there. There's uh, ethnic differences there, cultural differences with all of us, all six of us. And, uh, but our ability to communicate really just is our willingness to communicate is really it. And we, and as I, as I, I stated last night in, in my address to the community, uh, at our council meeting is, you know, really all five, all six of us are uh, are committed to the people, right? To committed to the folks and, and changing the environment uh, around us. Even our homes are, are, which are in the city. So we had our we had our tough times, you know, in the beginning uh, because decisions were made, roles were there. I don't, I wouldn't say really if it was Democrat or Republican. I think that. Definitely in the vote, it was, it's eight to one. So definitely in, in the election time, you, you see that where people tend to go vote. But in terms of decision making and, and doing the job, really, we, we overcome that by, you know, being open to discussion, communication and sharing each other's vision. And, you know, that's really I mean, that's really what, what we kind of do. I don't I don't I don't think. Maybe I'm naive. <laughs> Maybe I am naive, but really, the the our political affiliations. I mean, whatever they may be, Democrat or Republican, I don't really pay too much attention to that and say that that would be any reason for them not doing uh, uh, supporting any initiatives that I uh, that we're putting forth. Because really, all of our problems are laid out right in front of us and, and very transparent. Right, we the community knows and we see it, and we're working to uh, solve them, but it's just gain understanding of one another. Mm-hmm. Spend that time. It's almost like having a kid, a teenage kid. <laughs> continue to try, continue to work on them, continue to communicate with them and break down those barriers of misunderstanding and hope for the best. Yeah. It does seem like those divisions are a lot easier to to overcome or just even to to not really worry about when you're at the local level and you're like, we have to address this this thing that's right in front of us. And it's not like somebody in Washington grandstanding about whatever issue. It's like, this is my neighbor. We gotta, we gotta work it out. Best thing I heard when I was running is potholes, blighted houses, and the budget don't have a political affiliation. Mm. You know? So mm-hmm. meaning everybody who's concerned about that 
you don't got to be a Democrat or Republican to fix those those issues. You got to be willing to communicate, willing to work and uh, truly just being uh, committed to the job and committed mm-hmm. to the community to, to solve those problems. So me, that makes it a lot easier, <laughs> right, than fighting something that is just a word, right, or, mm-hmm. you know, a few different beliefs. Um, and I think that, that goes back to the whole social work aspect of it, you know. There's no, it's not red or blue in social work. You know, we're people. Mm-hmm. It's, it all starts with people. Yeah. So how do you bring that, that focus on listening and communication also to um, listening and communicating with residents? I'm sure that comes naturally, like as someone with your background and like not coming up through being in politics for years and years. Um, but yeah, what's your approach to community outreach, community engagement? Do you want me to be honest? I just, wherever yeah. we can, wherever we can get in, I, the approach organizationally, you know, with government is really what I, what I found was we operated in silos, primarily, you know, you know, code department, the code departments of fire, police, public works, you know, for me on an organizational level was breaking down those silos. But then I didn't want, I couldn't be the only one, you know, going out there saying, you know, being there with the people. If my staff and, and those that worked in the city and uh, did not have the same message or, or had the same vision of me where it's people first, right? The needs of those communities and the quality of life. And we couldn't have that dialogue with the people. The dialogue is most important. If you can't tell them why you're there or if you tell them you're there because you're, you know, trying to hurt them or, or, or you know, push a certain agenda that is unfavorable to them, you're going to lose trust. People are going to get calloused. They're not going to want to work with you. They're not going to believe in you. They're not going to care. Right. So I guess on, on, a, on a general sense, it's just having everybody attached to that message. And quite honestly, having a common agenda is the key. And, you know, early on, especially in 2020, with all of uh, COVID and everything, some of the wins we had to rely on were going into meetings and everybody speaking the same language. You know, everybody coming to an understanding and everybody agreeing and on what our most important, uh, what our most important endeavors were. And a lot of time, you know, some people only see brick and mortar buildups and uh, developments taking place or uh, major negotiations of, of, of sales and, and financial a lot of people only see that as those are victories, but I have to remind my team all the time, you know, sometimes the victory is, is, is just having good dialogue and being open to certain topics. And what we experienced in 2020, because we weren't allowed to do a lot of stuff, that dialogue and the focus on that has transitioned into 2021 now. And you're starting to see, you know, development, you know, opportunities to, to bring development and on a, in the bottom up revolution way, you know, community organizing and initiatives that are, that are taking place. And, you know, I don't want to say it was me and my doing, but, you know, I definitely spoke about it a lot last year in terms of, listen, we don't got much to rely on and, and keep us optimistic. So 
if we can all communicate more and, and be on, on the same page, it gives us something to look forward to when things do start opening up in, in Pennsylvania. So, so yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. What are your biggest hopes for Newcastle in, in the coming years, in the rest of your term? My biggest hopes, uh, we, we just continue down a path of, we, we're setting some goals. I'll, I'll go there. We're setting a lot of goals right now for the community. We want to be the most attractive community. We want to be the, the you know, most attractive, you know, place for people to come to, especially if you travel to Pennsylvania or Western Pennsylvania. In terms of solving what's right here in front of us, our financial situation is, you know, we have to successfully exit this Act 47 plan. So um, fiscally, we want to be solvent and uh, making just good choices, having a strong internal systems that are credible and make it easy for folks to, to invest in the community or make it a lot more simple. I don't want to say just easy in terms of all oh, just the pop of a building. There still has to be some level of, of governance, but we really just want to be that that place where it's attractive to to all and a better, just a better place to live for those who have stayed and committed to Newcastle. So it's hard to bottle it up in in, in one call, but there's a lot of irons on the fire and you know. With, with excessive amounts of blighted properties, with uh, excessive amount of empty storefronts, you know, we just want to see that thrive again. We want to see, you know, foot traffic again. And we want to just create opportunities for people to be engaged and be involved in the city more. And there, Newcastle has a lot of natural beauty. We have two uh, beautiful riverfronts. Uh, we have a great core downtown, Main Street. Um, I mean, and just to see that thrive again is, is really the goal. I want to see it thrive again, yeah. So to close us out, I'm curious what advice you would offer for other local leaders, maybe elected officials or just folks who are leaders in their community, um, for people who live in, in a town that is also economically struggling. What advice would you offer for like, Keeping keeping up the good fight and trying to make your community stronger. Stay hopeful. Stay hopeful. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't become complacent. You know, there's there's strong towns. Again, I I it was an article I was reading. I read the book um, and and shared it with some others actually. So we're all kind of getting around the movement. I was actually in Philadelphia this weekend and a gentleman from. Uh, Broad plus um, Liberty, they talked about the movement, uh, Strong Towns movement. So I just oh, say, very this, cool. so I would say there's there's resources out there, and there's a lot in terms of small, close knit communities that we can tack onto to keep to keep us inspired. And and these things have uh, have been researched and uh, understood. So. Don't just get lost behind your desk, right? And and overcome by the immense amount of paperwork and and documents that you have to review. But stay engaged and stay connected to folks like uh, that are involved in strong towns and and some of these other initiatives that you know keep us inspired. Because really, it comes it boils down to us as leaders um, and our vision. 
and what we're telling the people and how we're sharing it. So um, just stay, be encouraged and stay hopeful. That's great. Well, Mayor Chris Fry, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. It was wonderful to hear from you and learn from you and just really appreciate your time and your wisdom. Thank you so much. I appreciate you as well. I think I can definitely say there will be features and partnerships with Mayor Fry and Strong Towns in the future. I'm hoping that we can get him on a webcast or joining us for an event sometime down the road. Stay tuned. All right, I have one announcement to share with you guys from Strong Towns before we close. And that is that we just released a new course in our Strong Towns Academy. It's called Aligning Transportation with a Strong Towns Approach. And it is an in-depth crash course in everything from understanding how roads and streets function to seeing problems in the ways that engineers have historically designed our transportation systems to then finding a better path forward that can use our limited financial resources and actually create more economically resilient cities that benefit everyone through transportation. So if you want to learn about a Strong Towns approach to transportation, this is going to teach you the foundations of everything you need to know. And it's also a great companion to our upcoming book, which we just talked about and announced last week, Confessions of a Recovering Engineer. And it's worth a whopping nine AICP continuing education credits. We're currently offering this new course for 20% off discount just for the first couple of months of this release. So grab it now if you want to get that 20% off. Um, and we are also, as a special bonus, offering 20% off of our whole subscription bundle to all the eight Academy courses. So grab that now if you want to get the discount. We would love to have you as part of these courses. You can find them all at academy.strongtowns.org. I'll also add, if that sounds like, you know, a little bit too in-depth for what you're ready for right now, we offer a free Strong Towns 101 course, which I highly recommend. Thousands of people have gone through it by now. We put that out just about a year ago, and it is really the basic fundamentals of a Strong Towns approach, a Strong Towns way of looking at cities, and a Strong Towns way of then starting to address the challenges in our cities. So that one is pretty quick. I think it's maybe four hours of content, and they're all in these like bite-sized lectures with a lot of different resources to check out, discussion board, that's all free. So that's um, also at academy.strongtowns.org. Thank you as always to our Strong Towns members who make all of this work possible. Um, we really appreciate your support. And if you're someone who cares about this work of making towns more financially resilient all across America and North America, please support this movement. Please become a member at strongtowns.org slash membership. Those courses I just mentioned, our new book coming out, all of these um, different offerings from Strong Towns are made possible by our members. And also as a thank you to our members, we give discounts to all of those things to anyone that is a supporter of this movement. So get on board. Um, You can be a member for as low as $5 a month or $25 a year. Finally, my inbox is always open for your feedback on the show, guests you're going to recommend, or uh, sharing stories about the actions you're taking to be part of the bottom-up revolution and make your community better. You can email me a message or a recorded voicemail at rachel at strongtowns.org. 
Thanks everyone for listening. We will see you back next week for another episode. Take care. Thank you.